Hey, thanks for joining the Overcoming Monday podcast where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to help enhance your emotional and spiritual health. And our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. Our host is Shari King, and she is a writer, a speaker, a mom, and a pastor's wife. That's me. I'm the pastor she's married to. She's my wife, and she's so cute, and I'm crazy about her. Hey, we are so excited about this season of Overcoming Monday. As we go into the Christmas season, we're looking at the person of Jesus Christ in the Gospels. So we're titling this Jesus According to the Gospels. And we're also going to look at Jesus according to the book of Acts. The cool thing about this season is our special guest. His name is Dr. Robert Canoy, and he is the dean of the School of Divinity at Gardner-Webb University. Shari and I love this man. He was my professor in seminary. Shari and I went to Israel for the first time together with Dr. Kanoy, and I traveled to Greece and Turkey with him uh, in 2002. He is a great scholar. He's also a man that loves the scriptures and loves Jesus. And uh, speaking of Gardner-Webb University, before we get into this conversation, I want to let you know, we're going to be going back to Gardner-Webb University this summer for Crossroads Summer Camps. That's where Dr. Kanoy teaches, and that's where Crossroads started. We've got one week of summer camp at Gardner-Webb this summer, in addition to the six weeks at Anderson. It's the last week of July, and if you'd be interested in bringing your students, just go to crossroadsummercamp.com. Dr. Kanoy also gave Shari and I the, our first taste of Israel. And speaking of Israel, Shari is leading a trip for women only with Sharon Miller. And that trip is gonna be happening May the 8th through the 15th. May 8th through the 15th, ladies only, Listen, men, if you're listening, get your wife this trip. Ladies, if you're listening, ask your husband to go ahead and put these dates on the calendar. And you can find out more information about this trip to Israel by going to faithbasedexpeditions.com. Very simple, faithbasedexpeditions.com, where you can join Shari in Israel May the 8th through the 15th. Now let's get started with our conversation about Jesus according to the Gospels. Hey, Overcoming Monday listeners. I'm so excited to be doing this season of um, the Gospels where we're looking at Jesus according to each Gospel writer. We want to know how did each Gospel writer see Jesus? How did they um, portray him? How did they write about him? What was their Christology or their theology about who Christ was? And specifically, how does he, uh, how is he portrayed in the Christmas narrative? Because that's the season that we're in. So one thing to keep in mind and one thing that I've learned in seminary is that sometimes when we read about um, a certain subject, like say faith, or um, or like if you look at what faith is, faith and works, according to James, can look very different than faith and works according to Paul. And they don't necessarily disagree. They can go together, but you have to really understand what they're trying to say and why they're trying to say it to the audience to whom they're writing. So we're doing that with Jesus. Instead of looking at him as this compilation of all the Gospels and like creating this one human uh, based on all the evidence that we have, we're just trying to see who he was according to, say, Luke or John or Mark or, you know, whoever. So today we're actually talking about Luke. And I've invited my uh, friend, Dr. Kanoy, and a professor at Gardner-Webber University to come with us today and to talk to us about how does Luke see 
the person of Jesus? How does he portray the person of Jesus to his audience? And maybe even why? Why was his perspective the way? Why did he write about Jesus in the way that he did? So, Dr. Kanoy, thanks for being with us here today. Great. Glad glad yeah. to be back. Sorry. Thank you for joining us in our, our look at Luke today. Wow, what, yes. a, what, what a fascinating gospel, if, if ever there has been one. Um, I love all the gospels, of course, and each one comes at the story of Jesus from such a unique perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so unfortunate that uh, we went through a season in scholarship many decades ago where people said, let's just harmonize all of them and let's mm-hmm. just get the one story, quote, out of the way so we can know the story of Jesus. And wow, when we do, we just miss the power and the beauty of the Spirit's inspiration of each of these unique gospel accounts. And Luke is uh, exceptional beyond exceptional right. as, uh, as, he, as he tells his story. Um, and he locates the story of Jesus uh, in ways that the other gospel accounts do not locate them. He will identify people like Herod being king of Judea. He will talk about when Quirinius was governor of Syria. He'll talk about he'll talk about all these people, and and in so doing, he's he's locating the gospel story uh, in a in a particular way and for an important reason. And I'm going to just cut to the chase on this one because yeah. there is there is a key word in the Gospel of Luke without which we don't understand any of the gospel. Oh, boy, that's a big statement. Without yeah. which we don't understand any of this gospel in its, in, its, in its truth and certainty if we miss it. And are you ready for the word? Yes. The word, is, the word is impossible. Hmm. Only in the gospel of Luke do we find this theme played forward forever and ever and ever. Now, I know most people re- remember that uh, it's Mary who says this. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this, this thing has happened to me. I, you know, I, I, I'm pregnant by the, you know, a child from the Holy Spirit. What is not possible with man is what impo- is not impossible for God. This is the word impossible. Mm-hmm. Well, all you have to do is just back away from the gospel and, you know, please don't miss the forest of the gospel for these individual trees that we get become so fascinated with. Mm-hmm. And allow this word impossible to just permeate into everything that we read. So, Jesus, the Lord God of the universe, chooses to send Jesus into the world <laughs> at an impossible time. Mm-hmm. Look, we've got Herod who is in league with the Romans, who's not, he's a half Jew at best. He's just, I mean, he's, he's an embarrassment to the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And God says, well, let's just send Jesus then. Uh, we know the nation of Israel is under Roman domination. He tells mm-hmm. us, Quirinius is governor of Syria. Do you hear that? Syria, what's that got to do with Jerusalem? Well, guess what? At that time, when Quirinius was governor of Syria, they didn't even identify Jerusalem or Judea as being important or unique. It's all part of Syria, for heaven's mm-hmm. sakes. This mm-hmm. is just—it's just a little backwater town that means nothing to these to these Roman, you know, influencers who are there. And so you got all of this story set up here, only then to begin the story with an odd one with a particular man by the name of Zachariah, yeah, who, as you will later remember, um, is the father of John the Baptist. So Zechariah is where is he? He's 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 doing his temple duty because he's, you know, he's one of the priests. 
Now, we're going to talk about when most likely it was he was doing his priestly duty, but you're going to have to wait for that one. Okay. So he's doing his priestly duty, um, and he's in the temple, and we know his wife, Elizabeth, is barren. She cannot have a child. Well, this is a familiar story. Across the Old Testament story, there have always been what? Significant persons, uh, ladies, women, families who could not have a child, and that, mm-hmm. that was just just so sad you know, in that day that if a woman couldn't have a child, it, it always was the woman's fault. Now, we know mm-hmm. today, guess what? It can be the man as much as it can be the lady's fault. Right. It was always the woman's <laughs> fault in the Old Testament story if, if she didn't have a, have a child. Um, and so she can't have a child, and Zachariah is there, and then he gets this revelation from God. Well, let's, be, let's call it what it is. Something impossible happens. Mm-hmm. He's there doing his duty, and lo and behold, God says, hey, dude, you're going to have a baby. And he says, yeah, right, uh-huh, uh-huh. And he questions God, and God says, okay, since uh, you, you've questioned me. I'm taking your, your voice away. Taking your mouth away from you. <laughs> Guess what? You, you don't get to talk anymore. So he ends up, you know, you know the rest of the story, uh, which is he ends up, you know, finally agreeing to name the child John as he's been commissioned to do so. And God, for the first time in this gospel, does something impossible. Mm. A barren woman, Elizabeth, has a baby. Shortly thereafter, we learn what? That Mary is now going to have a child by the Holy Spirit, and we're going, yeah, right. Virgins don't have babies. Impossible. And Mary says the same thing. Look, I have never known a man. This is not, I'm not having a baby. Not possible. Not possible. But then what does she do? She models faith and says that which is what not possible with men is possible with God. And she becomes the model disciple throughout the gospel of, uh, of Luke. She, she, she gets it right. I, mm-hmm. I, what, whatever you want to do with me, Lord, I'm going to be obedient like Marcus taught me. I'm going to trust that God's with me like Matthew's taught me. I'm going to know right now that the, you know, the, the, the voice, the word of God is the one who is, who is living inside of me. And, and, of course, she, you know, she ends up giving birth. It's, it's an impossible situation here from which God does the, the possible. Mm-hmm. Which is it's very interesting because, you know, Luke, um, he wants to be taken seriously as a historian. And yet, so he's like taking all these impossible situations according to mankind. Mm-hmm. And he's basically saying, yeah, well, I'm a historian, but I also am a uh, I I write about theology. I'm going to write about God in a way that's historically accurate, but also so that you know that God does exist right. and that things are possible with him. Yep. I want to ask you a question. Uh, so this is a little bit off, but the word possible in the Greek is what? Oh, uh, uh, let me the, find one that, the one that he uses here. Yes, uh, I was just curious about that. Oh, I don't know if everyone will be curious about this. Uh, it may, it may t- it'll take me a second to track it while, oh, we're, while we're looking here. I, I, just looking here for my, my answer. We, we should keep going while we don't lose the time here. It's not but, the uh, deutimus. It's not the deutimus, powerful, possible. Is it a different word than that? It is It is the able word, yes, able. The able, yeah, able, yeah, yeah. 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 Which, which okay. is the word for, yeah, that, that's the word. Dunamai, oh, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm sorry. look yeah, at yeah, yeah. me, my look like um, go Greek, Greek scholar, go. Yeah, <laughs> Greek, Greek <laughs> yeah, one, yeah, yeah. 
Cool. That's really neat because um, I've been learning a lot about that, uh, the word dudamus and um, the, the, it's powerful or it's possible or it's not possible um, is the adudamus. A, is that right? Yes, With that's the a right. On the front? Uh, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, it negates the word. That's correct. And so that's it's right. very interesting to uh, to apply that here because these things that do not seem possible are now becoming possible. And so it's the opposite. It's the opposite in this of what we would think. God is doing the opposite. And I think it's really neat that this is the point that Luke, that you're almost saying that Luke is making is he's a historian that's writing history, but the history doesn't seem possible. And it's not possible according to man, but it is possible according to God. And I think that is actually the Christmas, if we want to talk about it, that's the Christmas story. All of these impossible things according to man, that's the redemption story. All these things that are impossible for us to attain are possible through God. I don't yes. know if I just took you on a tangent, but no, that, no, as I was listening, that's what I was hearing. No, no absolutely. And, and, and you're right. I mean, that's, that's exactly it. And I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead, uh, but we're gonna come back to the to, to tie this into the Christmas piece in a bit. But um, when when you take, for instance, the story in in uh, Luke 10 um, about a Samaritan, it's mm-hmm. the parable. Remember, somebody mm-hmm. has asked the question. A lawyer has asked the question. You know, what must I do to inherit eternal life, or whatever? Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, Well, you know, you do this, you do this, you do this. Well, who's my neighbor? And he says, Well, then he tells him a parable. Mm-hmm. Now, the the point of impossible is this. It is impossible to do anything to inherit eternal life. Mm. It's impossible. You can't do this. And then he trots out a story, does Jesus, of a what? A good Samaritan who who does what? He does something impossible. A Samaritan is not going to help a Jew, period. Mm. End of the story. Ain't going to happen. Impossible. And so Luke simply is saying, let me show you how the gospel does in fact achieve the possible. That's mm-hmm. and that's what Luke is all about. And you know this because as you we were talking earlier, you studied the book of Acts. And what is the whole of the book of Acts about? How the gospel breaks through impossible barriers. Yes. To go to this group of people and this group of people and this group of people and this group of I mean even these people that they're speaking with unknown tongues. It's yes. impossible. These yes. are impossible things that are happening here. And I love the, um, I forgot who exactly I read this article by, but uh, it was, it, he used the quote, jumping over the, jumping over temple walls. And so what yeah. he was talking about was a lame man who sat outside the temple and he watched people walk in every day and he could mm-hmm. not go into the temple. It wasn't just right. that he couldn't walk in there, is that he was not allowed in there because he was right. not seen as pure enough to be yep. able, he was damaged. That's right. And damaged so he goods. was not, he was not allowed to go into the temple. And that tradition apparently was right. handed down from the fact that any damaged sacrifice was not right. allowed on the altar. And so Correct. they transferred that right. ideology onto humans. And so you have this mm-hmm. man also who is not allowed to go into the temple, but he watches people go in every day. And so Jesus yep. is resurrected. And when Jesus is resurrected, Peter and John go to the temple and they start preaching about Christ and his resurrection and what it has now done. And right outside the temple walls, this man is healed. And what is impossible is that this man would be able to go into the temple or even that he would be healed at the age at which he is healed. And so he is healed and he jumps up rejoicing into the temple walls 
And it is beautiful because what has not been possible, not only for him, but for anyone like him, right. has now been made possible. Yeah. And and it's not just him. It's it's the when. Uh, sorry, I just went off. But no, I'm you're excited good. about this. But you have the um, you, you have the eunuch when Philip yes. goes to minister to the Ethiopian eunuch who would not have been allowed uh, into the kingdom of God either because of right. his con- quote condition, and yet. Philip goes to him and he hears the gospel yep. right. and he is now allowed in it. So it's all these people that yep. have been outside the kingdom of God, outside the um, the restoration, um, but are now being restored yep. in a way that God had always intended. It's happening now. The impossible yep. is now becoming possible. Right. And I just think this is beautiful. Sorry, you can yeah, go No, on no, you're, you're right on it. I mean, that eunuch, you know, he, he came from Ethiopia. He came to the temple. He was disappointed. He left because, as you say, you can't get in here. He mm-hmm. leaves. But the Spirit says, guess what? I got a plan. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? He sends Philip into the Gaza desert and finds him. And that's how God works, doing these impossible things, making them possible. And so the whole of the Gospel of Luke and Acts, both, they just they just run along this trajectory of God doing these impossible things. I mean, take, take that woman in chapter 7, 36 to 50, um, who just stumbles in onto a dinner party. And mm-hmm. she begins to weep because she sees something impossible has happened. They have not allowed mm-hmm. Jesus water to wash his feet. This is impossible. Or no, or no one has even washed his That's feet the point. for him. Yes. This is impossible. This is this is a betrayal of hospitality. This can't be. And she, then what does she do? She weeps and the impossible happens because she ends up receiving forgiveness as, a, as an expression of the beauty of God doing these, well, these possible things, making them all possible. So just read Luke again sometime and just say, watch how many impossible things actually happen. Yes. And trot back to Mary there and see what's going on in her life when God says, let me do something impossible for her, which, mm. you know, which clearly he does. So let's get back to chapter two, which is mm-hmm. a Christmas story. We can't end any conversation about Luke without having the Christmas story here, because in this beautiful Christmas story, of course, we've got shepherds who become the recipient of the news. Now that's impossible. That ain't going to happen. Shepherds, these are the, these are the, I mean, they are not model citizens. They're dirty. They live out they're They don't, they don't meet, they don't pass the grade here, mm-hmm. but God says they're going to get the message first. Going to send this impossible word to them first. And when that happens, um, they're told they're going to find this babe, as we know, you know, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger because there was no, and here's where I, destroy people's Christmas or help them with Christmas because there was no, the translations say, as we've read them forever and ever, there was no room for them in the end. Now, the backstory to all this, of course, is Joseph and Mary have come from Nazareth where they are working. Joseph is a carpenter. He's working in Nazareth, probably a stonemason, uh, working at Sepphoris near to, near to, uh, to, to Nazareth. And they come home to be counted in the census. Mm -hmm. So if they come home to be counted in the census, what do you mean? They're going to go to the hotel? No, they would go to the home of a family member. And so you read this story because there was no room for them in the inn, and the poor innkeeper gets thrown under the bus here. Mm -hmm. And guess what? 
There's not even an innkeeper mentioned in the story. Look how we have added stuff to an account and have destroyed the meaning of it. So the text literally says there was no tapas, no fit place for them. And the word in here should rightly be translated in the upper room. Because we meet that Greek word elsewhere in this gospel when, in fact, it is upper room. Mm. There is no place for them in the upper room. In other words, in houses of the first century, people obviously would live and stay in a crowded upper room. Mm -hmm. Well, Mary is expecting a baby and is at the point of delivery. Can I and, pause you? Can I call, yes, pause please, you? Yes, please, please. Because please. I, think, I think you taught me this, and it was one of my favorite things. I think that I learned this from you in Israel, that there was no room for them in that upper room. Is this? I hope I'm getting this right. Because it would have been improper for them to have a baby amongst all of the people within exactly. that house. Yes. And so not in a disgraceful way are they nope. sent to a, say, stable or a barn or really even cave is what it would have been or to where the animals were. It was um, a generous offer for them to have a place of privacy in order to have their child um, and to be able to do that because there wasn't a proper place for, their, for them to do that in the crowded house. Wow. Is that she right? Said it, she said it better than I could have said it. You got it exactly right. Yes, Yay. that is exactly it. So it's like, whoa, look, look, look how God is doing this impossible thing here, making arrangements for Joseph, for Mary, for Jesus to be born in an otherwise impossible situation. It wasn't that the Holiday Inn was booked and there were too many people. No, this, this just was not the right place. And God said, we'll find the right place mm. and we'll find the right people to proclaim it. We'll send word to the shepherds first. And they, of course, get the news and, uh, you know, with great exuberation and great excitement, you know, talk about, you know, what, what God has done and the amazing, you know, gift that, uh, that has come to the world right now. Mm. Now, wh wh while we're thinking about this, let's, 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 let's have a bit of fun as if the rest of this hasn't been fun. Okay. So, 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 so here is, um, here is a Zachariah who's working in the temple, correct? Mm -hmm. And, um, he, He's deaf. He can't speak any longer. Adam, he can't speak any longer because he won't, you know, believe what God said. And then he finally believes what God says, and he goes home, and what happens? She gets pregnant. She conceives. So he's been away from home for a while, correct? And he comes back home, and he and his, his wife love each other, and conception occurs. And then the next thing we hear is that... Uh, Mary comes to visit uh, Elizabeth, who is by this time far along in the pregnancy. And we're told something very important. We're told that uh, Je Jesus is how much younger than John the Baptist? I can't remember that. Remember, it's six months. Okay. It's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Six months. Which means then that Jesus is going to be born six months after, after. John would have been born. So play with this idea for a moment, because we always have asked the question, why do we think Jesus was born on December 25th or, or relatively close in there? Why do we think that? We don't find any text anywhere that specifically ever says it. Mm -hmm. So if John, uh, if Zechariah is at the temple doing his temple duty during the busiest 
time and most important season of the year, which would be Yom Kippur, mm-hmm. which would be the the uh, the Day of Atonement week leading up to it, which always is the is the middle of September. Mm-hmm. So he does his priestly duty middle to 20, 21st, 2nd of September. He goes home from his priestly duty for the sake of argument. September the 25th, he mm-hmm. and Elizabeth conceive. She, she's gonna, she conceives on the, on the 25th of September. I'm counting my fingers here. September, yeah. October, November, December, January, February, mm. six months. Let me do it again. So it's, uh, <laughs> It's it's October, November, December, January, February, March. Okay. So on March the 25th, Jesus is conceived. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, in all, among all the great ancient stories of the most important people who've ever uh, been mentioned, they died on either their birth or their conception day. So here we are on March the 25th when Jesus is conceived, which mm-hmm. conceivably is when he died, oh. March the 25th, wow. conceivably. Uh-huh. Now, play forward March 25th, nine months, because he's conceived on March 25th. Mm-hmm. April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. December. Nine months, Jesus is what? Jesus is born on the 25th of December, Mm. also because it is as near as we know to the shortest day of the year. Mm. On the darkest day in the world, God chooses to send the sun, the light of the world. Well, that's just fascinating to me. And I think, uh, I don't think it's just far-fetched or wishful thinking. I think these things uh, do connect because Luke's all about God doing some impossible stuff. <laughs> yeah. And boy, has he not done some impossible stuff in this book. Yes, yes, for real. So what would you say um, when we think about Jesus specifically, if we were going to have like a takeaway from Luke and we're thinking about Jesus, now this can be according to Christmas or mm-hmm. this can be according to say even his, if you argue that Luke wrote Acts, which I would say that. Oh, yeah. He probably did, um, yep. that Luke is the author of Acts. If you go into that, what would you say that his big picture of Jesus would be? Like, what is he trying to send the message to his audience? I know I'm combining yeah. two huge no, no, books. That's good. But... <laughs> that's good. No, no. I, I think he's trying to say, never let tradition stand in the way of God doing something impossible. Mm. God wants to do something impossible through your life because he did do something impossible for you. He redeemed you. Mm. You couldn't do this by yourself. He did this for you. And because he did this for you, he wants you in turn to take this impossible message to the most, to the least likely people or persons that you know, Mm. because guess what God's going to do? God will use that the same way he has always done impossible things for you to make a difference in their lives. That's, yeah. That is Luke's story. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that's true in both Luke and then if you carry it on into Acts, I oh, think yeah. that that's the message. Like, go out and be my witnesses. And um, actually getting together a, a message right now about what it means to be a witness. 
And I think we have unfortunately maybe taken that word witness or witnessing and just ascribed it to, um, say, missions. Um, but, but I think that that's a misrepresentation of, I mean, I think we do use it. Obviously, we are missionaries if we go out and we say the gospel, but each person is a witness. We are all witnesses. It's not just missionaries that like go overseas right. and tell Jesus the story to people who have never heard. We are each called to be a witness. And what does it mean to be a witness? It means that Jesus has affected our life in some way. And that way in which I think we're talking about today is that he's doing things that don't seem possible in our lives, things that seem impossible. And I think that a lot of times we miss what that is. And we concentrate more on the outward things um, that we want God to do for us, like make us financially stable or maybe even heal someone who has a disease. Those are all These are all great things that God can work in our life, like things that we can pray for him about. But I think sometimes we miss the heart issues that we're hurting with that we don't want to look at that feel impossible, like um, forgiveness mm-hmm. that we're struggling with. Yeah. Yeah. That can feel very impossible to overcome or healing from um, painful past or um, being brave when you feel like you don't have it in you to like do something that God's called you to do. He can make those things possible in you. I think sometimes we look at other people and we just think we can't do what it is that God's called them to do because they're just magically gifted to do it in a way that we're not. I don't think that's true. God has called us all to be witnesses And it just means that we have to start practicing living out our faith and watching him do it. And as we live that out, we start seeing him do it. And that gives us more faith to continue. And so I think that this impossible, impossible message in this Christmas season doesn't have to just be um, maybe events or um, specific circumstances in your life, but it can be even overcoming things emotional emotionally that you have been stagnated or healing that you might need or a relationship mending with someone who you have um, not gotten along with recently. I, I think that there are things we overlook that we don't think that God can do. And I think he's concerned yeah. as much concerned with our souls as he is with our physical like circumstances and even more so didn't yeah. he die to save our souls? <laughs> yeah. well Isn't that said. what yeah. he's most concerned about, you know? Yeah, you know, I prefer the word good news. Let's be good news people. Yeah. And good news speaks to every one of these things you just mentioned. Good news that, hey, forgiveness is going to happen when it was impossible. I actually was in a conversation once years ago with a lady whose husband had been unfaithful to her repeatedly or whatever. And I told her, I said, look, at the end of all this, it's impossible for you to do this. And she just kept coming to church and coming to church and coming to church and having conversation after conversation. And then we came to this Christmas story. And then she called me and she said, I finally got this. I said, what do you mean? You've been telling me this is impossible. I said, you're right, but it's possible with God, isn't it? I said, mm. you got it, sister. There it was, you know? So that's it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yep. I yep. think that's who God is. And so this uh, ending, I think, this um, podcast on talking about Luke and the message of Jesus, the message of God. I mean, all through the Bible, he does impossible things. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and that's what he's going to do with us, for us in our future. We can look toward the future and know that um, in the end times, whenever we are all redeemed and restored, 
I think the thing that I looked forward to the most is, look, we're human. Um, I think now we're not all going to agree on everything theologically. We're going to disagree. We're going to have personality disagreements. One day, though, we're all going to be unified. Yep. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest, great, uh, biggest gifts we could ever have is this community yeah. of people who all love God. We finally have a common understanding. We are yeah. finally able to just live in peace and love with one another. Right. And I look forward to that, you know? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Shara. You know, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I picture us standing there one day and saying, you know, first, it's impossible I should be here. Yes. But it's possible only because the Lamb of God playing from the foundation of the world, did something I cannot do for me. Secondly, it's impossible that you, whoever you are, could love me or I could love you. But guess what? It's because we have an impossible God. We're here. What a, what a, yeah. what a, what a, yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just feel led to pray right now. I don't normally do that at the end of my podcast, but I'm going to pray right now, and then we'll go ahead and close the podcast out. Great. Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that there is one day when we'll get to see I mean, right now we can see you do impossible things. But there's one day when we're just going to get to praise you for all the impossible things you've done. And we can do it now, but one day we'll get to all do it together in complete unity and see you face to face. And I just look forward to that time. And I pray that in this Christmas season, as we're learning how to love you more and more and more, as we're learning how to worship you more and more and more for the gift that you've given of your son, I pray that you would help us to look forward to the day that we'll get to see the results of everything that he's done for us, of the reason that he came and the reason that you have decided to redeem us because you love us and because you are a good God who cannot go against his character but has chosen to love a people who you created in a perfect way. And so we receive your love and we ask that in this season we would be able to love others in the way that you've loved us. And um, as we close out this podcast, we just thank you for all of who you are. Uh, we glorify you and we thank you. Thank you for Dr. Kanoy. I pray that he and his family would have a wonderful Christmas. That you would bless them, um, that you would love on them, and that you would let them know your presence. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So Overcoming Monday, listeners, I hope that this has been a great season for you. I think that I'm going to try to record one after this on Acts if I have time before I start resting for the holidays. If not, this is the last one in the season. If I do get a chance, look forward to this next episode on Acts where we talk about Jesus according to Luke and my husband and I will be doing that one. So thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. Talk to you later. I really hope that this episode has helped you see Jesus a little more clearly and understand more of the context of his life, his work, his death, his resurrection, and ultimately his lordship. Hey, we wanted to invite you to pray about joining Shari and myself on a trip to Greece and Turkey, one of our favorite places we've ever been on planet Earth as we retrace the steps of the Apostle Paul as well as some of the places where John visited. We get to go to the island of Patmos. We get to visit the cave where John wrote the book of Revelation. We get to stand in front of the library of Ephesus, one of the uh, most well-preserved ancient ruins from antiquity. We get to stand on the top of the Acropolis in Athens, Greece, and we get to see where Paul preached the gospel to the Areopagus at Mars Hill. It's just the trip of a lifetime. 
Shari and I will be leading this trip, so if you're interested in going, the dates are September the 20th through October the 8th. That's September the 20th through October the 8th, and you can find out more information by going to ClaytonKing.com. Hey, this podcast is because of you. It exists to help you, but you make it happen. So there are three ways that you can help us reach more people. Share this with your friends and follow Shari on Instagram and on Facebook. Follow Overcoming Monday as well. You can also make a tax-deductible donation to our ministry because we are a 501c3 nonprofit, and everything you give allows us to offer this and many more ministry opportunities completely free of charge. Just go to claytonking.com give. We hope that this has been a great experience for you, and we hope we've given you some little secrets for your big breakthrough.